Welcome to Foundational You with Dr. Dean Hackett, the home of biblical teaching and cultural impact. We are so glad that you joined us for today's podcast. You can find out more about Dr. Dean, read his blog, and find more episodes at fdeanhackett.com. Now for today's episode. Welcome to Foundational You. Thank you for joining me in this podcast. I look forward to us studying together. We are continuing a study that we have begun regarding the significance of the Word of God. We are looking at the five words found in the Holy Scripture, three in the Hebrew, two in the Greek, that are translated word in the English Bible. And we're asking ourselves, what significance does the definition and the use of those words in the Holy Scripture have upon how we study the Word, how we teach and preach the Word of God, and make application of the Word of God to our life. Last time we looked at two of the Hebrew words and discovered some amazing discoveries regarding the Word of God and its application in our life. The first word we looked at was debar. That word we discovered it refers specifically to the fact that the Holy Scriptures are indeed the Word of God, the words spoken by God, that God is the author of the Holy Scriptures, not a man, not a woman, but Almighty God Himself is the author of the Word of God, and He has not given to us the authority to add to it, take away from it, to rewrite it, to alter it in any way. But we are to take the Word of God as it is written. Jesus Himself said, that it would be easier for the sun and the moon to disappear, to stop shining, than it would be for even the punctuation marks of the Word of God to be taken away or altered. The second word we looked at was that Hebrew word imra, and imra gives it a special meaning because in the Holy Scriptures, imra tells us that the Word of God is a priceless treasure, that it is to be valued above diamonds and rubies, that God wants us to treasure his holy scriptures above all other treasures in our life, that he wants us to treasure his word as that which will bring to us that which enriches our life. And we discovered when we when we looked at this, that the Word of God is not 99.9% pure, but 100% pure. And he, it said that it is, it is placed in the furnace seven times and, and is purified. Almighty God wants us to understand that we can take His Word and we can bring it into our life and it will be that priceless treasure that is above anything else we may own. But the challenge we have is so often we put other things ahead of it. We don't have time for it. We read the Word when we get time. Instead of making that time, treasuring that treasure, and making time for it every day in our life, because we treasure it, 
above our work. We treasure it above our recreation. We treasure it above our toys. We treasure it above everything in our life because it is the Word of God that speaks to our heart and our life, the absolute truth. And that is we discovered that the Holy Scripture is the absolute truth that Almighty God gives to us, that uh, in the Holy Scripture, the Word of God brings to us instruction in truth, doctrine. It brings to us reproof, telling us what is wrong. What is the, those words are wrong. That behavior is wrong. That attitude is wrong. That is not morally good. And, but it also brings us correction. So it shows us what is morally good. It shows us what is the right attitude to have. What are the right words to use? How should we behave? The Word of God, not only that, but it instructs us in righteousness. It, it teaches us and trains us to live a godly life. And he said so that we can be fully equipped, completely equipped to live the good life. Dabar and Imra. We're going to look at the third Hebrew word that is used in the Holy Scriptures, translated in English as word, and that is midbar. Midbar. In its, in its purest, truest form, it means a wilderness. Now, it may be an arid wilderness, or it may be a wilderness that you can uh, graze animals on. So it could be pasture land. But it also means uh, the instrument of speech. In other words, our mouth, our tongue, an instrument of speech. It can also mean a place of speaking. And we find this used, the word wilderness is what the children of Israel went to when they were delivered out of Egyptian slavery, God took them into the wilderness. Now, we know it was both an arid place and God had to give them water from a rock, but there were also places where they could, they could graze their cattle. It was pasture land. But scripture also tells us that wilderness was the place of speaking. It was the instrument of God speaking. It was God's way of speaking to them. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness, Midbar, to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. God was using the wilderness as the instrument of speech, as the place God was speaking to them. And when they got to Merah, uh, and there was, there was bitter water, God was testing them, but God turned that bitter water to sweet. When they, when they got to the wilderness and there was no water, God was testing them. He gave them water from a rock. He gave them manna from heaven. And then they began complaining about the manna. God gave them quail. Almighty God was testing them each step of the way. 
when they sent the spies into the land. They're spying out the land. They came back and said, you know, it's just exactly what God has promised. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, look, and, and they, they brought back uh, some of the fruit from the land. Look at the fruit. Look at this amazing fruit from the land. But then they also said, but there are Nephilim in the land. There are giants in the land. There is no way we can take possession of this. But two of them brought back a good report because they, in their wilderness experience, they had learned the lessons God gave them. They learned those lessons well. They, they heard the voice of God speaking as they went through the hard places, as they went through the challenges. And when they saw the incredible land of promise, and though there were giants there, they said, you know, we can. Our God, who brought us across the Red Sea on dry ground, our God, who put the plagues upon Egypt, our God, that gave us water from a rock and manna from heaven, that God is going to go and fight for us. We can, we can take the land. Let's go do it. Joshua and Caleb had heard the voice of God in the wilderness through those times of testings and trials. And they were ready to take that step of faith and take the land of promise. Those that did not, they perished in the wilderness. But it was the place of God speaking. God wants us to understand that when we go through times of grieving, when we go through times of great adversity, financial reversal, when we go through times when we're struggling with our health, when we go through times and relationships are hard, maybe maybe you've been uh, uh, falsely accused at work or you, someone below you has been promoted beyond you. You've just gone through a hard time of adversity. Those times of trials and testings are not there to crush you and destroy you. They are the place of God speaking. It is in those times of great testing and trial. He wants you to get into his word and let his word speak to you. Let that testing and trial be a place of God speaking. God, what do you want me to learn from this? God, what are you wanting to show me in my own heart? Is there, is there an area of my heart that needs adjustment? Are you speaking to me in some way? Father God, you use this time to, and hear his voice clearly because when you hear his voice clearly in the wilderness time, in the time of adversity, then when you face those times that you have to face a giant, your faith will be strong and you will be able to stand even against the greatest adversity because your faith has been made strong because you've heard God in those places of speaking. And you'll possess the land of promise that God has promised to you. Debar, Ra, and Midbar. Those three Hebrew words that God speaks to us. Well, what about the New Testament? What are the words that are used for us in the New Testament? Well, the first one we find is the Greek word lagos. Lagos. What is lagos? It, it's a word. It's what someone has said. It's a discourse. It's a, it's a collection of things that have been said. It's a collection of what 
God has said. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 26, Jesus is closing his Sermon on the Mount. And in his closing of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, he says this. He said, look, he said, uh, if, if you have, I'm going to liken you to a man who built his house upon a solid rock. He dug down to the solid rock foundation and he built his house. And when the floods came and when the rains came and when the, when the hurricanes beat against that house, when the tornado came against that house, his house stood because it was built on the rock. Listen to what he said. That person, I liken to someone, listen, who hears my words and does them. He hears my words and follows them, keeps them, obeys them. He is saying, the one that builds their house on a rock is someone who treasures my word as an invaluable wealth and rich in their life. And they read my word and they study my word and they let it talk to them. And when their life goes through times of adversity, they're not going to be destroyed or crushed, but they're going to have their life on a solid rock because they hear my words and they do them. But then he said, but the one who hears my words but does not do them, they hear my word but they don't treasure it, they don't consider it the invaluable treasure that it is. They don't obey it. They just hear it and go their way. Like the children of Israel, they heard the word of God. They saw his miracles. They saw his mighty deeds. But it wasn't treasured in their heart. And they were constantly grumbling and complaining against God. And he said, this person is going to be like someone who builds their house on the sand. And when the rains came and the floods came, and when the tornadoes and the hurricanes came, their house didn't stand. It was destroyed because they did not hear what I have spoken, my word, my holy scriptures, my holy scriptures. In John chapter 8, verses 31 to 32, he said, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I believe the reason we have so many of those who claim to be Christians, they claim to have Jesus living in their heart, but they're still struggling with, uh, with emotional issues. They're still struggling with, with negative thinking. They're still struggling with victimization. They're still struggling with an addiction. Uh, the reason that they're struggling is because they don't abide in the Lagos. They don't abide in the Word of God, what God has said. Abiding. Abiding means you, 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 you take up residence. You habitate there. You habitate in the Word of God. You build your life on the Word of God, in the Word of God. You have the word in you, 
and you're abiding in the word. And Almighty God wants you to understand when you do that, that's what distinguishes a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. They abide in his word and they know the truth and the truth brings them freedom. In the cultures we're living in today, when truth is relative, morals are relative, everything is, is uh, under deconstruction, to have the truth and live in the absolute truth, the infallible inerrant truth, is treasure beyond the imagination. Almighty God wants us to hold that. But here's the thing that's very interesting to me. John began his epistle with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but it was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Almighty God wants you and I to understand that the Logos became living word in the Lord Jesus Christ. Living word in the Lord Jesus Christ. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So everything about this word, Old and New Testament, was made reality in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants you and I to understand something. As the Apostle Paul said to uh, to the church, he said, listen, don't you understand? You are living epistles known and read of all men. Almighty God wants our life to be a living testimony of the word of God to everyone around us. Now, Jesus lived out the word of God perfectly. He was the living word of God in perfection. You and I are the living word of God growing and maturing, becoming more and more like Jesus. We're not going to live it out perfectly, but in a world of darkness, we're a, we're a light in the world that has no anchor points because everything is under deconstructionism in, in this uh, pragmatic relativity, in this, in this culture that is postmodern, in this culture that has no absolute truths, when we accept the word of God as the absolute living truth and we begin building our life in it and abiding in it and we begin applying it in our life, we are going to be a shouting letter of the word of God to everyone around us because those things that crush them won't crush us. Those things that will make them angry and vulgar won't make us angry and vulgar. Those things that cause them to live in depression won't cause us to live in depression. They will see miracles in our lives as God answers our prayers. We're going to be a living epistle as Jesus was the living word 
of God. Here's the last one. It's the word rhema. Rhema. What an amazing word this is when we look at the word rhema. It means an uttered or a spoken statement. It means the act of speaking, actively speaking. I'm speaking to you right now. That would be rhema. In the Holy Scriptures, it is used in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Rhema. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Rhema is when you pick up the holy word of God, the logos, the written word of God, that collection of God's speaking. And you pray over it and you say, God, speak to me today. And you open the Holy Scriptures and you begin reading. And suddenly something jumps out off the page and it fits perfectly with what you have been struggling with. It's rhema to you. It is that time when you are praying and you're seeking God and you're going through a really hard, challenging time. And your friend over a cup of coffee says, you know, I've been praying for you. And this scripture just keeps coming to my mind for you. It's rhema. It's God actively speaking to you. It's the logos, what God is, the collection of what God has said becomes current immediately what God is saying to you now. And it becomes living bread to your word and your heart. Rhema, the word of God. Oh, yes. The Holy Scriptures has tremendous significance in our life. And he wants that word to be alive and active and vibrant in you. Just as he says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, and joint and moral, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. The Word of God, the living Word of God, the collection of what God has said, the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Spirit making it alive to you so it's spirit and life to you. And it goes deep in your heart and it says, you know what, that's not the right attitude. You know, that's not the right this is. Don't, don't say that. Say this. Listen, that behavior is beginning to diminish your capacity to walk spiritually. That behavior is not pleasing in my sight. This would be better. And Almighty God's Word speaks to you. Oh, listen, the Holy Scriptures, God's infallible, inerrant Word, and it has great treasure for your life. Thank you for studying with me today. Thank you for joining me on Foundational You. I look forward to you joining me in our next study. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. This Christ-centered biblical training is a ministry of Spirit Life Ministries. 
We hope that you are blessed by this podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. For more information or questions for Dr. Dean, please contact us at the website fdeanhackett.com.